Welcome to this week's edition of Coach Prep. Coach Don and I are in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio this week. Uh, we're ready to record episode number 10. Episode number 10 gets launched on November 29th, and we want to welcome our presenting sponsor, Cleated Up FP. Cleated Up FP is an app for your phone. It's basically a one-stop shop for all your softball communication. Uh, allows for inter-team communication, coaches to players, coaches to coaches, organizational, fans, the whole nine yards. It basically is a great tool that's going to allow you to solve all your communication problems. Those last second rainouts, uh, venue changes, um, a Christmas party, holiday party, whatever it is that's coming up. Uh, it's a great way for you to share information and to do it all in one place. Very easy tool to use. So parents, parents and players that are listening, tell your coaches about it. Check and, it out. And, and it is free. Yeah. So just uh, check out cleatedup.com. And uh, the name of the company is Cleated Up FP. Uh, we're really excited about our partnership with them. We're looking forward to uh, doing some great things with uh, Coach Prep and Cleated Up FP. So Don, our topic today is on-field awareness, helping our players be better prepared to play on game day. And one of the things that uh, I think is important is for our players uh, to do a quick assessment when they get to the ballpark. Sometimes um, there's all kinds of variables, things that uh, we need to be aware of. Um, and it can happen even uh, occasionally even on your home field, but certainly uh, you know, for the kids that are playing at different parks all the time, uh, going to different locations to play. And so we want to work on, uh, on helping them understand that there's a, a checklist of things that we want them to be aware of as they get ready to play on game day. So, Tori, I think that's super important because the majority of our listeners probably don't play on the same fields very often. They, have a, you know, they might play on some of the fields they've played on before, but um, oftentimes things even change at those parks. And uh, you know, many of the things and topics and stuff that we talk about on these podcasts are... Uh, uh, more fine-tuned and high-end and um, a little bit more than most will do. But if uh, coaches and players take the time to do this, I think they're going to be um, definitely in an advantage for sure. Right. Well, and one of the things that uh, we see for sure in the travel ball world and uh, even at the school ball level is that all fields are not created equal. Right. And for every really nice, really, uh, you know, super fancy you know dressed up facility that you play at you're going to play it at an armpit someday too right <laughs> and uh and you and i have both coached on both so um so let's go through the list here's things that coach don and i think are the things that your players should be checking and and being aware of i think for you as coaches you can kind of give them some guidance but uh, number one would be the fence uh outfield fence sideline fences you know everything that uh, could potentially come into play um, one of the things we see all the time uh, uh, at the travel ball level, and it's um, sometimes at the school ball level, are the temporary fences, which can be crazy, which can create all kinds of different things. So, uh, so we're going to check out the fence, figure out what it is, what kind of impact it could have. You know, if it's a permanent chain link fence that totally encloses the field, then our concerns are, you know, from my normal position, how far is it from where I'm normally going from to be normal. standing to the fence? Um, do they have a warning track so that when I start to get close to the fence, I have a warning system, something that's going to give me an idea that I'm getting kind of close to the danger zone. And, uh, am I also going to be working with my teammates to help communicate with me to make sure that I'm going to be in a safe position when I'm trying to make some of these plays? Absolutely. Torian, again, like you said, maybe a walk around by the coach to see if there's spots where the, the chain link is lifted, that ball might get stuck. 
Um, and then obviously uh, instructing your players what to do to get their hands up quick so we don't right. incur extra bases when a ball does get lodged up in there and um, gates that don't match up well so a ball could scoot underneath, uh, you know, down the lines. Yeah. Yeah. And then if we're looking at temporary fences, then you know, there's several things we want to kind of get a feel for. Number one is how high they are, what they're made out of. Um, how they're secured into the ground. If they're firm, right. If they're firm. If we have a collision to Or if, they, or if they're going to fold over. Um, do they go all the way to the foul line or, the, or to, do they go all the way to the fence line? Just out of play. Yeah. So yeah. Um, should I be aware of a ball that gets hit down the line that's hooking into foul territory if it's going to have a high likelihood of getting past the fence? Um, you know, there's strategic things to be thinking about. If I'm in right field, and a hitter hits a ball that uh, slices down into that right field corner. Um, I, if I cut it off, what's going to happen? What happens in comparison to if it goes past the fence? And I know it's throw just my hands ground up double. Yeah. And so, um, so we want to be thinking about all those different uh, things when we look at the fencing and and how that's going to impact the game. Um, what I would also recommend if you're playing with temporary fencing um, is to take a ball and bounce it off the fence in a couple of different places to see how it's going to react. Um, so that you're, again, not going to be surprised if a ball gets hit over your head and you're chasing after it. Um, I saw a game already this fall where the fence was uh, stretched so tight that it was almost like a rebounder. And like a, a trampoline. Uh, yeah, and a ball um, hit the fence hard and fast. The outfielder was running after it, and it kind of, you know, she basically overran the play because she was running to get to the fence as fast as she can't could and it bounced off the fence came back past her so once she realized that she was going to get burned that she should have held up and started to play the play the bounce off the fence rather than right. continue and if she knew that it was going to deaden the ball then you continue with it right, right. and so when we think about the fencing we want to be thinking about what it's made out of and where, where the location is so we're familiar with it uh, before it happens you know, especially for an outfielder, if you're chasing a ball to the fence, it's already an oh my gosh moment. Right. And so, yeah. um, so if we've uh, kind of planned in our heads a little bit before the game started, some of the things that can and could happen, um, I think it's going to take a little bit of that oh my gosh sensation out of it. Um, and I know that uh, um, you know, I think for an outfielder, knowing how that ball is going to react, um, you know, if we're playing on a field that's got some sort of a permanent fence, you know, like a... Uh, um, wooden fence or has signs on it that you know, might have a impact on how the ball is going to play, play yeah. and i think you know we want to get familiar with it and there's nothing wrong with taking a ball out there you know bouncing it off a couple of things kind of see how the ball is going to react and just kind of get, give yourself a little bit of a comfort zone absolutely i yeah. like it so the second thing on my list is depending upon where you're playing check out and see if there's a tarp and if there's a tarp on the field um you know uh, not that many parks that uh, we're seeing for travel ball have uh, tarps available to them but it does happen occasionally um, usually there's either a, a, a tarp a uh, like a pad on the yeah. uh, on the field where the tarp is located or sometimes there'll be like a little nook that you kind of uh, a little gap in the fence that the tarp kind of slides back into um, but we want to see what that does what it would do to impact the play um, and also where that tarp's located, you know, what the ground rules would be if the tarp is, in, on, is on the field of play. So, Tori, as you say that, I know we played on a lot of uh, different college fields, and they all had a different scenario. And to your point right there is what the ground rules are going to be. Can I step on it? Can I step up to it? Do I have to uh, catch over it? 
you know, what kind of things to at least let your players know what, what's happening. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and again, it's one of those things that's not going to be on every field. Um, right. And because it's not on every field, especially in the travel ball world, if it's every once in a while I've got to deal with it, it's something that might surprise us. And we don't want to be surprised, you know, as the game's going on, let's figure out all those things beforehand. So figure out if there is a tarp, where it's at, and how it impacts the game. Next one on my list was the backstop. Nice. I think, yeah. uh, you know, how far is it from home plate to the backstop? What's the shape of the backstop? And again, what's the backstop made out of? What, what kind of play off of it are we going to have? Right. Is it padded? If it's padded, how uh, reboundy is the padding? You know, is it chain link fence? Is it netting? You know, one of the things we have here in uh, a couple of counties in the Atlanta area are these old clamshell backstops Little that uh, kind of half dome up over so that the catcher doesn't really get to play very many pop-ups. Um, but if a ball gets by the catcher, it's got this curved backstop that depending upon how it hits it, it's going to be going in all kinds of different crazy crazy directions. Right. Um, and so I think we want to get familiar with the backstop and how the ball's going to play off of it from the defensive perspective for sure but also from an offensive perspective if i'm that runner at third base and i know it's 35 or 40 feet back to the backstop i'm scoring on every pass ball or wild pitch and i'm probably going to start to think about if i'm a base runner at first then i I might be able to go first to third sure and so you know if it's a long way back to the fence you know the backstop's a long way away and it's got uh, you know material that's going to kind of kill the ball, and it's going to stay pretty close to it. Again, that's knowledge that we want to have. Absolutely, one mistake can be the difference in a game, right? Absolutely. And uh, another one on the list is the turf slash grass. Now, we're not everybody's going to get to play on astroturf, but more and more complexes, more and more places are putting in turf fields because they want to be able to play on rainy weekends. Right. So that's something that you might see occasionally. And so what's the impact that that's going to have? How is it going to affect the way the ball plays? Um, second is if it's a grass field, how high is the grass? How wet is the grass? You know, all those kinds of possibilities that could you know, affect what's going to happen out on the field. I'm dreaming about the lip between the dirt and the grass there, Tori, yeah. right? For your outfielders on a hard yeah. ground ball. Yeah. So, um, so when we're looking at the field, we want to, you know, look at the outfield, figure out, how, you know, take, you know, take some of those ground balls, take some of those... Uh, plays that you're doing pregame and try to get a feel for how that's going to affect the potential plays that you can make and how it might affect your your performance. So, Tori, as you say that, for some of our travel people, I know here um, many of our fields are are, uh, set up on Bermuda, which is a a grass that really heals quickly, but it's a low-cut turf. And um, often, if it's reasonably maintained, it has a very smooth um, feel for an outfielder on a hard ground ball. But some of our northern um, groups, or if a southern team is going to be traveling and playing up there, it could be you know a great deal different than what we're used to at home. Right. So well, in, to, in Wisconsin, we had bluegrass. Right, and it, some of it's a little bit more uh, lumpy, or uh, you know, it grows in in little patches, or uh, you know, up in Canada as well. It was a, a you know a toss up on what type of field we were going to be on. So you know, as a fielder. To be aware is right. real important for sure. Yeah, and, and it's, you know some fields are getting mowed consistently. Yeah. Um, some fields only get mowed the day before a big tournament, so you might be out there playing in a big showcase that first couple of rounds of games with grass clippings. Right. You know that could be a half inch thick in in some spots. So sure. so again, when we're talking about the turf or the grass, we want to get familiar with it. If you do have the good fortune of playing on an astroturf field once in a while. 
uh, making sure that we know how that's going to affect the game. Obviously, it's going to play smoother. You're not going to have the lumps and the bumps, um, but it's going to play fast. And so our outfielders need to get familiar with that. Now, Don, you mentioned the lip. Let's talk about the lip. Oh, boy. That was one of those things we tried to maintain at Kennesaw all the time. Just, uh, you know, the smoother that is, the the more true or, or clean the game's going to be. But it's hard to do, and it takes a lot of work. Right. And I think a lot of places just don't do it. Yeah, no, the, the typical uh, rec department kind of field, um, you know, a lot of the places that you see some of these big showcases being played at, um, the fields don't get that same kind of day-to-day care. Um, you know, the, the typical park crew doesn't understand the importance of lips and things like that so they're probably not gonna push the dirt back in off the edge and you're gonna end up uh, with some lips on some of the fields you know craziest story ever um out in colorado at one of the big showcases and this is one of the you know places that has the very best teams in the country playing has a couple of fields um uh, you know, being there recruiting i was sitting behind home plate and there was uh, one field in particular, I was there and uh, sitting behind home plate. I was low enough that I was kind of at field level. And all of a sudden, I looked up and I thought it was the craziest thing ever because I could see the right fielder's body from like the waist up, <laughs> but I couldn't see her from the waist down. And so I kind of got, you know, a little bit, you know, for drainage. Fuddled or for drainage. Couldn't figure yeah. out what, what was going on. And then I walked around to where I could see, and the lip on the edge of the field was so high. It was blocking your view. I mean, it obscured her, you know, half of her body. And a little bit later on that game, a ball got hit in the 3-4 hole. So the second baseman, you know, dove for the ground ball, thinking she was going to have a chance to make a play. Right fielder came charging in to, you know, come in. And I think in her mind, she was thinking she might have a scoop and throw play at first. Sure. And it hit that lip and it ended up taking off like a jet airplane, flew way over her head and went all the way out to the outfield fence. I think most anybody that's hung out at the park, Tori, has at least seen that once or twice. But, uh, you know, that could be a difference maker, right? right? And and again, it's one of those, uh, I don't know how you can... I think you have to be aware of it. You have to see it, know that it's going to potentially impact your play. Because I think 99.9% of all right fielders would have been coming aggressively after that ball, just like that girl was. Crashing, and, yeah. Um, you know, you would not assume that that lip would be like a, a launching pad. Yeah. Um, but it basically was, it was a ramp. And that ball got on the ramp and it just took off and ended up being a triple for the girl that hit it on a ball that the second baseman missed making the play on probably by three inches. <laughs> right. So it could have been a you know 4-3 ground ball out that would have been a nice play by the second baseman and it would be in a triple. So, uh, so be aware of the lip and outfielders for sure. And then infielders also you need to be aware because if you're out chasing after a ball, and let's say there's that little pop-up you know, right behind the field, I cannot even imagine the poor second baseman if she had to turn and go back on a ball, stumbling, and running uphill up the lip, and then getting to the lip, and all of a sudden, you know, it's like stepping off of a you know a two foot you know step. No, I know. I I can remember looking at fields that we would just get to and shaking my head and just hoping that they didn't have an impact in the game. Yeah, but yeah. so so the lip in that area around the transition from infield to outfield, I think, is something we definitely want to be aware of. You know, when you get there, if you're the second baseman or shortstop. You know, go out there and kind of you know get a feel for it, look at it, and you know, get comfortable with it, so that if you are chasing a ball, uh, that you're not going to be surprised during the course of the game because you stepped in a hole or you know fell, fell off a, a ledge or whatever it is, um, kind of feeling. So uh, the next one on the list 
was just the general hardness of the field. You know, one right. of the things that uh, we're seeing more and more of, um, and, and in the college game for sure, there are places that want that field, especially the first 15, 20 feet in front of home plate, as hard as they can possibly make it. Well, like um, the parking lot, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's not uncommon to see part of the pregame preparation being a steamroller out there packing it down as hard as they possibly can and then they just kind of brush a little loose dirt over the top of it so that you don't notice that you're really From playing the drag. on concrete. Yep. Yeah, no, the, the the nail drag never touches that part of the field, <laughs> that much I can tell you for sure. Right. Um, you know, so obviously if you have kids that, you know, hit the ball on the ground a lot, if you have slappers that are going to pound it into the ground and want that extra benefit of the do hang think, time. Do you think some universities do that? Uh, there's one or two that uh, I'm kind of familiar with that I know do it on a regular basis. That's just um, home field advantage. Yeah, but but also just gen- the general hardness of the field. You know, as we get into the hot days of summer, and the fields are getting baked and baked and baked and getting played on a lot. You know, some of them get hard as a rock. Compact, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I've got a couple of, you know, memories of, of early in my coaching career before everybody, you know, because everybody didn't wear metal spikes. You know, once upon a time, you know, a lot of kids wore the plastic or the uh, hard rubber molded cleats and being on fields that were so hard that they might as well have been out there on ice skates. Just scooting across, yeah. You know, there, there was no digging into the field. It was, you know, as you said before, almost like concrete. Um, or if it's really soft, you know, because again, either one, if it's super hard or super soft, it's going to impact how the ball is going to play and maybe where I need to position myself defensively and all those kinds of things. Take take into account, right, for for the loose footing, sure. Yeah, and so, um, so uh, just another important thing that we want to be aware of. Um, the next one is the sun. And where the sun is in relationship to the field. Nice. And that's changing all day long, right, Tori? And um, we play from one field to the next. And the the orientation of the field is set up to where, you know, the sun might be at our back on game one. And then it's directly, uh, you know, in front of us after that. So Right. Well, and the uh, reality of it is that it's something that if you're prepared for, if you know if I'm the center fielder and there's a you know, really bad sun field, if I'm you know, in a position where I know I'm going to have to deal with the ball in the sun quite often, you know, then I can prepare for it a little bit better. I can you know, remind myself, hopefully, you know, we've got coaches that are working on the techniques that the, the players need to have to give themselves a chance to make plays on balls that go into the sun. But uh, uh, certainly we need to make sure that they uh, um, are aware of it, you know, sunglasses, visor, hat. Um, eye black, whatever it is that they might need to to add to their toolbox that day because they're playing with a field that's going to have a real impact from the sun. So I think that that's an important part to um, to be aware of. And then with the sun, you're also going to get shaded areas and shadows. Um, that can be tough. Yeah. Or and before we forget about the move off the sun completely too, and where the lights are located. Right. Okay. For, for the playing night games. games, you know where where the blind spots might be, where the the lights get into my eyes. No, I, again, too, can remember that being one of the most challenging things is uh, navigating between sun and light and, um, you know, sun and the lights in the evening and just making already tough plays tougher, right? A big right. high pop-up for a, an infielder or a catcher or, um, you know, a ball in the outfield, a high fly ball that goes right through a set of lights. Yeah. Well, and, and I think the knowledge is important because then, you know, we're already planning for what we need to do. And we talked a little bit before about the uh, tools that you could use, you know, wearing your sunglasses or a visor, but also, you know, players working together so that they can, you know, have planned in advance, 
you know, hey, I've got a really bad sunfield in center field today. I might need some help. So if I if I lose a ball for a split second, I need you to communicate with me. I need you to help me find it. Hearing somebody say back, back, back is you right. know, making me, you know, get digging, even though it's lost in the sun for a moment. Right. And then it leaves the sun or that bank of lights and uh, and then we can find it. Yep. Yeah. And and then we started on the idea of shade and shadows. We just want to know for sure if there's gonna be a spot where I'm gonna be running from the sunlight through the sunlight to try to make a play in the shade or vice versa. There's no way that you can avoid it when you go from a really bright, sunny environment into the shade. Your eyes take a second to, to adjust, adjust or vice versa. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, we're talking about sunglasses and things like that to try to help to make sure that we're uh, as prepared as we possibly can be. But we th- just want to make sure that our players are thinking in advance aware of all the possibilities in advance so that there's not going to be any surprises. A shock. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and we don't want them to be to be surprised during the course of the game uh, when uh, something about the field, something about the, the surroundings, surroundings. Um, throw them for a loop. Now, another one that would be on my list that might not be an every game kind of thing, but uh, the crowd, people, uh, where the fans are. Um, when I was coaching at Tennessee Tech for a while, we had, it was really kind of a, rough situation where we would have uh, an area where people would back their pickups uh, right in by the outfield fence and uh, let's just say it was a home field advantage i was gonna say that's some home field time there yeah you know it was kind of funny one night you know the the guys were out there and they were getting a little rude and a little crude and you know the umpire came in and wanted me to go out and talk to him i said i'm not going out there (laughs) <laughs> and so, well, we, you know, coach, we we need some help. You know, they're 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 saying some stuff. There, you know, they're, they're, we we got to get them to to be nicer to the other team. I said, if I go out there and tell them to be quiet, they're going to get on my team, right? So there's you know there's no way I'm going to you know say that's on you, blue out there. Um, you know, eventually we uh, got some administrators Found out a happy there. Medium. And, you know, got somebody yeah. to kind of go out there and sit with them, and you know, I think they were still rowdy, but uh, you know, I think the direction of the communication or the types of communication changed a little bit. Maybe we want to be aware of that kind of thing. You know, if you're playing in a you know school ball situation where you've got a you know, really big rivalry game, you know, it would not shock me anymore. You know, to have a couple of dozen really obnoxious fans out there trying to stir something up. So maybe we want to be aware of where they're at, where they would be, just so that we can kind of be prepared. And as you say that, Tori, too, for for some of our listeners, um, you know, for the coaches to prepare them like you're saying but give them a, a way to to navigate it and um you know not engage with any fans right. right as soon as you engage with them then they turn it up a notch and then they've got you and they and at that point you're distracted from right your, from your real goal right yeah and, and our whole idea of you know the on-field awareness discussion today is to make sure that we put ourselves in the best situation we possibly can to be successful when we go to the ballpark and being familiar with our surroundings knowing what to expect you know, taking the uh, surprise factor out of the game, I think, is a really important uh, strength. And if uh, we can turn a potentially challenging situation into a strength, you know, I think we're going to be way, way happier about it and uh, something that's going to help us be a lot more successful. But so those were the things on my list of things for us to be aware of on uh, awareness-wise uh, for when we get to a ballpark. And I think, uh, you know, we want to do it no matter uh, what the situation is, make sure that when we get to the field, and we kind of do a quick uh, check, run through everything. You might want to make sure you know where the bathroom is. Absolutely, right? And, and if it's That's something that point. Uh, you're going to have to, you know, if, if something does happen and Somebody's you need to go to the restroom need. during the course of the game, um, do you have to, you know, run to the uh, 
building in the middle of the complex that's a couple hundred feet away and hope that the line doesn't go all the way around the building or or are you lucky enough to be playing at a a college field that's got a restroom in the dugout so also too the how far away the dugouts are the entrance to the dugouts or the on uh, on deck right batter's boxes and what you want your kids to be doing for that so I think there's you know, pro- probably a lot of other things that we did not talk about today. Certainly, we would encourage any of our listeners who have other things that have come up um, that uh, need to be addressed Shoot that, we, us a note. that they've seen, uh, because obviously, uh, even though we've both been doing this for a long time, things happen that we're just not going to see all the time. But we want our players to be aware. We want them to. Uh, we want uh, anything that is uh, surprising to be, be a pleasant surprise. Be confident, yeah, right? and uh, that they're ready so that uh, so that nothing uh, shocks them on game days. So that nothing happens during the course of the game that could negatively affect our performance. So um, that uh, is going to wrap up our discussion today for uh, coach prep for on-field awareness. Uh, hopefully, you're enjoying these discussions, uh, coaches. We've been getting a lot of feedback um, and uh, getting some input on ideas, but we're looking for more. So please, if you could reach out to us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com and uh, give us some guidance, uh, some other things that are coming up that you think are useful that would be beneficial. We would certainly love to take a deep dive into them and uh, do everything we can to uh, give as much uh, help and as much knowledge as we can. Awesome. And again, uh, check out FP at cleatedup.com. They are our new presenting sponsor. Uh, It's an app. uh, As we mentioned earlier, we're going to have the guys on our Everything Fast Pitch podcast. Uh, pretty quickly and uh, let them uh, kind of go through all the bells and whistles of what uh, Cleated Up FP can do for you. But it's going to be your one-stop shop for softball communication. That's going to be great. Yeah. So, Don, anything else this morning? No, just looking forward to a good week, Tori. Good deal. That's going to wrap up Coach Prep 10. Um, those of you that are listening to it are probably enjoying your uh, Thanksgiving leftovers. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving, and we will talk to you again next week. <laughs>